Welcome to Affinia, a community of thousands of cybersecurity executives and vendors. In this show, we interview senior go-to-market leaders to find new actionable tactics, insightful tips, and best strategies. For more information, check out Affinia.com. And now, welcome to the show. Nita, thank you so much for joining us today. As we begin, can you say a few words about your current role and uh, what's you've been, what you've been up to? Hi, Misha. Thank you for having me on this. Um, so my current role is VP of Marketing for somewhat startup called AppDome. Um, we do mobile app security. And I say startup because we are still kind of market making. It's a relatively new market, although AppDome has been in business for over six years. We have uh, several hundred customers and um, large brand names. We have about 200 people. So I don't consider that a startup, but it's a startup in, in fact, in the way that we operate. And we try to be very entrepreneurial in the way that we do marketing and we do sales because it is a relatively new market. Mm -hmm. I understand. And then in your role, what kind of marketing functions report to you? All, all the marketing functions. So I've got analyst relations. In fact, I'm personally managing analyst relations, press relations. I have growth marketing, which is demand gen and field marketing. So the, the corporate marketing um, demand gen type uh, functions, as well as field marketing around the world. So we have four regions. Mm -hmm. um, also have uh, digital, what we're calling digital ops, which is our marketing automation system and all mm -hmm. the tools that we're using, all the technology, the tech stack that we're using. Mm -hmm. uh, is managed in my organization and uh, content creation. I see. I see. I understand. And um, I, I noticed in your uh, experience, you had agency experience. You also worked in large organizations. But what was the first entry point? What's the first cybersecurity marketing door that you knocked on? So for cybersecurity, it was about six years ago, and it was, it was a real startup. It was uh, me, myself, and I in marketing. <laughs> and it was another uh, gentle, two people in sales. And we really acted, you know, we were the team. We were the team. We were what you would call um, in a startup, a go-to-market team. So we kind of all wore this multiple hats all the way from, you know, creating the content, defining mm -hmm. the personas that we're going to go after, defining the accounts that we're going to go after. <clears throat> and the company's name was um, Cloud, um, Cloud Security. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Cloud Advisory. And they were later bought by FireEye. Um, mm -hmm. But the company, it was, I think we were like 10 or 12 people total when mm -hmm. I first started. By the time I left there, we were probably at about 25. Mm -hmm. um, and I left there because I wanted to do um, my own agency. So I, I had several cybersecurity uh, clients, including mm -hmm. Cloud Advisory, um, mm -hmm. when I, I started see. my agency. So st small startup agency, I, I think IBM was one of the uh, organizations you, you were at prior to that. So you have a very interesting background, both in terms of scale and scope, but also uh, agency with cybersecurity clients and, and now being on the in-house. From, from that vantage point, what will be your advice for someone who's just getting started, maybe looking to transition from technology marketing to cybersecurity marketing, or maybe even more upstream of that, someone who's just looking at the space, curious about it and, and figuring out if, if how they can make a career out of it. What, will be your, what are the two or three things in your view that should spend time on? Um, so I have always, in my career, I've always had my hands on 
what I call growth marketing. And back in the day, it was called demand gen. And the reason I say that is because demand gen is a multiple, I mean, and it requires a lot of different skills, requires a lot. You have to understand the market and understand, you know, what you're trying to market. You have to understand who you're marketing to. So you have to understand what makes that person that you're marketing to tick. Mm -hmm. And you also have to understand all the different marketing um, tactics such as, um, you know, whether you're going to do Google ads, you're going to, you know, paid LinkedIn ads, whether you're going to go to events, whether you're going to have webinars. So it kind of forces you to learn a multitude of, of um, marketing skills. Mm -hmm. And, and there's kind of, there's really no limit. So I, I've always, in fact, my daughter is actually trying to get into marketing. She is in marketing and she's asked me a couple of times, do I want to get into cybersecurity? There's no magic about cybersecurity with respect to marketing. Marketing is marketing. It's just a matter of understanding the value proposition and understanding who you're selling to that makes you different and makes you, you know, a cybersecurity professional versus not. Mm-hmm. Certainly. No, it makes a lot of sense. And so understanding your ideal customer profile, this understanding the persona uh, and understanding what you're offering to them makes a lot of sense. But also that the journey, the customer journey happens over kind of various steps. They, from not knowing that people have a problem to being aware that they have a problem to being put it in, in, in very specific terms to understanding the, vend- the solution landscape and then identifying vendors, it's, it's they're they're very specific steps, and and um, often you mentioned content. It's it's uh, whether it's marketing programs or content needs to be almost stage specific. How do you think about that? Uh, figuring out from the universe of your potential clients, from your total addressable market, how to identify people at the various stages of that of, of that journey and how to meet them where they are and, and talk to them about uh using the content using the 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 tactics that they they would accept given 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 the stage of the journey they're at uh, so th- i always i have a term that we always we use here is that we have to be digitally on 24 hours 24 mm. 7 so you have to be everywhere as at me, you cannot, cause you don't know, like you said, you don't know what stage of the journey a particular person or an organization is in. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that you have content in the awareness phase. You need to make sure you have content in the education phase. You have to make sure that you've got content when they're actually read in the purchase phase. And then when they're actually making a decision on the vendor, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think, when you think of that, you have to think about what kind of content will resonate at each one of these stages. So at the at the awareness stage, you just want to get your brand out there. You just want, you know, you want people to know who you are. At the education phase, you want to, you want to you kind of have to educate people like you said. They don't even realize that they have a problem. So you have to kind of state the problem and then the answer. And so those are really quick hits, maybe like a one pager or maybe a, a short snippet of a video on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm or you're on multiple sites where you think your personas are going. For instance, if they're going to dark reading or if they're going to, you know, DevSecOps magazine, have some piece of content there that will resonate with them to make them start thinking about, you know, asking them themselves questions on, 
do I really like, for instance, for mobile app security, you know, do we protect our application that are the mobile app that our customers are using? What do we do for that? How do we do that? Um, so putting content in different locations where, you know, you think that they're going to be, mm -hmm. or you've done research where you think that they're going to be. And then as they get into your, you know, the purchase cycle, then you start giving them more information that's got more technical detail. Mm -hmm. And then you give them an ROI statement, you give them, you know, ROI kind of information. Um, and then you give, you know, then, then hopefully they're on your website and they're actually, um, you know, making some decision and you, you're down into the top three vendors that they're looking at, and then you get them engaged with sales. So you offer them a demo, you offer them a free trial. For instance, we have, um, you know, the three call to actions on our website are, you know, see a demo very quick. We can do a demo in 15 minutes. Um, you can either start a trial on your mm -hmm. own, mm -hmm. or you can just contact us and talk to somebody directly. Mm -hmm. I understand. I understand. So it's, it's kind of stage specific and, um, well, kind of switching gears a little bit. I, when, when I think of marketing, cybersecurity marketing in, in particular, there are no silver bullets and it, the best way I came up with it's you, you think of it as a toolbox and there is a range of tools. Some of them are used more frequently than others, uh, and it changes over time, maybe. But also, there are certain themes that are playing out. I, I, a few years back, this concept of inbound, pioneered by HubSpot, caught everyone's attention. Everything was about inbound. Everyone kind of went into creating content, and that over time, people realized that of I know thousands of form submits, only a very small fraction would convert to actually. Um, heavily potential clients, then people kind of leaned um, onto large scale events, whether it's Black Hat or RSA or Gartner uh, identity and access. And that worked well. And now they're getting so expensive. I, I've been talking to some of my friends and I'm shocked at just how expensive those events are, both, both from the sponsored perspective, but also like the full cost of ownership uh, with travel and uh, and just putting the team out there and, and the booth itself and, and, and things like this. Then with COVID, everything went away. Everyone went digital. Everyone went uh, remote and virtual events, virtual roundtables, webinars was all the rage. So now it seems like everyone is leaning into AI and, and trying to figure out what it means for marketing from the content generation standpoint and SEO and things like this. So it's almost there is a tool, but also there are themes that are kind of come come and go, uh, and some of the tools remain. Uh, but the, the question is, what's what's working for you now? What's the what what's the most often used tool in your toolbox? This show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one -on -one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to Athenia.com and click sign up, or click the link in the show notes. Now. Back to the show. So Misha, every CEO thinks that there's a silver bullet and that's what they ask you to do. So my challenge, this is at every company I've been at, my challenge has always been, you know, what, you know, what is that silver bullet? And I always go back and say, there is no silver bullet. Going back to what we just talked about with respect to the stage of where the buyers are, mm -hmm. especially because we're early market. Since we're early market, it's an early market and we are, um, you know, the thought leaders, and we are actually leading in the market, we can't just pick one thing. So 
to get the awareness and to get people, you know, in the awareness phase and the education phase, we're using SEO and SEM. So we, you know, hone in. If you look at our website, there's there's a lot of words on it, but there's a reason why there's a lot of words on it. it it's very good for SEO. So if anybody's searching on a specific term, hopefully they come to Aptom. Um, SEM is, um, you know, paid. So paid Google ads and paid mm -hmm. LinkedIn ads. We're using both of those. In LinkedIn, you can target the personas that you're going after. So we happen to go after cyber, which is security. We also go after um, the developers, so DevOps and DevSecOps. So you can actually target uh, messages towards them. But we're also going to a lot of events, and we saw a lot of success in 2023. It's mm -hmm. yes, you said you know everybody kind of stopped going because of COVID, but it's almost like everybody's just itching to get out, and people are going to events now. Will that be the same trend in 2024 and in 2025? I'm not sure, but 2023, everybody, they were all all of the events that we went to, such as you know we went to RSA and we did go to Black Hat and we've gone to and we've we're, we've been doing Mind the Sec and LATAM and fintech. Um, Singapore. So we've been all around the world this year. People are going to events. So we will be planning for next year as well. But mm -hmm. we also started a webinar series. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you have to, there is no silver bullet. You all, you kind of have to be, um, you have to target people the way they want to consume information. And some people want to consume virtually. Some people want to consume physically and typically mm -hmm. the physical they're they're um usually they know they have a problem and they're going to go see who's who is the vendor that's going to help them solve their problem mm -hmm. versus people who are just you know googling and they're searching they're not quite sure that they have a problem they're just trying to see what's out there mm -hmm. so i don't think there's a silver bullet i don't think i mean i think we're going to be spending um in all of those areas that i just mentioned Certainly. Well, I wasn't implying that there was a silver bullet. Yeah. I, I, actually, I, the question was which which tool, which combination of tools you're leaning on more more than others. So I can I can I'm completely agree that it's it's a combination of various sources, and there is no one single tool. And even those kind of change over time. So it's constant tracking and 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 monitoring uh, where the where people are coming from. Uh, but with it with this in mind. Uh, I just had a conversation recently. It, it seems uh, when we're looking at attribution, attribution is fairly easy at the bottom of the funnel kind of conversations where people type the name of the company in the Google search, go to your website, request a demo, go through a demo, uh, go through a POC, and then become a client. They already identified the need. They selected you. They want, they want to understand the value they're ready to, to be sold and they're ready to deploy and get and time to value is fast for them. Yeah. But what's interesting is that uh, if we think of those stages of customer journey with technology and with the way the life is changing, I guess more and more of those steps are walked in the dark, so to speak. In other words, the person who just showed up on your website request, uh, requesting a demo may have passed by your booth at RSA a year ago. Maybe they listened to uh, a presentation by your chief evangelist, um, didn't didn't stop by, didn't leave a card, but the curiosity was picked at the time. Then they had a conversation with a colleague over coffee as a sidebar, mm -hmm. uh, sidebar conversation at, at Black Hat a few months later. Then they, they went to um, an association or, 
um, or there was a private Slack for CISO for cybersecurity executives, and those ask me anything and other CISO was raving, gave raving reviews, and there was no way for uh, cybersecurity provider for the vendor to be part of those conversations. There's no attribution. Uh, you'll often we only see that this person is coming through Google, so we kind of assume well that's the channel that we need to double down on, even though a lot of different touch points happened outside of our outside of attribution outside outside of our knowing it and outside of our impact so and i wonder so many marketers are kind of data driven and rightfully so but do we just focus um our data gathering and analytics at the later stages of the funnel where the sales cycles are short and attribution is fairly straightforward and we just accept the fact that for upstream, attribution is fuzzy or non-existent. Also, once it's multi-touch, it's how do you assign weights? Is it is stopping by the booth more important than having coffee with a colleague? And also time, right? So if something happened three, I, I don't even remember the conversations I had three years ago, right? So how do you think about being data-driven, but still uh, acknowledging, the, uh, the, accepting the fact that some of the events that are relevant to marketing to demand generation happen outside of our our reach this show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one -on -one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community to host a briefing of your own go to afinia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes now back to the show i think the more mature marketer is going to understand exactly what you just said um, and so we are data driven, but we also acknowledge the fact that brand, because a lot of what you said is just building the brand, right? It's the touch points are really building the brand and it's very difficult to attribute, um, and have data that says, okay, if you spend this much money in this type of tactic, you're going to get more brand recognition. It's very difficult to measure that. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily our CEO actually acknowledges that and understands that. So, so we, we, while we are data driven and while we are measuring, and in fact, I was going to tell you a little story about what we experienced this year. We are measuring what we are getting from every single um, tactic and how much money we're putting in. Mm -hmm. We're not blind to the fact that we still need to spend X percentage doing um, things that are not necessarily measurable, but we know that we're getting, brand attribution of some sort. So for instance, this year, um, you know, while the events were very, ex are expensive, like you said, they're getting a lot more expensive, but we're just coming off of COVID. I believe we've received most of our, the quickest deals are the ones that we have met at um, a show. And we've actually had a conversation with them. They saw our, our, well, our product demos very well. So we have that advantage, but they saw our, our demo and they saw how easy it was to implement. And then basically if they have the need in the budget, they just, they know that, okay, this is a vendor that needs to be, you know, that we need to look at. And then they get serious with this, but that's all been, you know, we've done a lot. I'm going to say more than half of our pipeline this year that we generated was from shows. Interesting. Interesting. That's um, I, I think it's, it's amazing because oftentimes a show is actually like the first step when to your point it's branding and then mm -hmm. things take 
months, if not if not years, to go from well, I've seen you around. You're you're you have staying power. Uh, I've heard about your product from multiple sources. I'm ready to talk to you. It's so for for someone to go from met for the first time to being client in a short order within within a year. It's 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 pretty phenomenal. And I think it goes to uh to I mean the credit goes to your messaging and the product um that it kind of it hits it engages people in a way that that helps the conversion uh in in such quick mm-hmm. order. Yeah. Yes. And for um I, I'm just curious. So you mentioned different different programs, different tactics. You look at ROI for for programs that are kind of more upstream, the, the branding exercises and things like this, where the sales cycles are longer, do you value, for example, this um, initiative A generated three opportunities at the top of the funnel? Do you value them? Do you assign a certain dollar amount to those? Uh, meaning our average deal size is X, mm-hmm. uh, top of the funnel deals close at 35% or whatever the percentage is. So you can it can come up with an estimated value of an opportunity at the top of the funnel, and you use that to to measure uh, programs and campaigns that are that are kind of upstream, their top of funnel campaigns. Yeah, so that's exactly how we do it. Yeah, we assign uh, an average selling price to every opportunity that that comes in. So whether regardless of the channel that it comes in, hmm, interesting. So it's probably yeah. by company size and. Uh, um, industry and kind of uh, well i mean the way our pricing is it, right we're we're protecting a mobile app it doesn't matter the size of your company it doesn't matter it, it's basically by the num- by the app so you know if you're a huge bank and you've got 15 apps it's 15 times x mm-hmm. um and then within the app within you know within the app it's how many protections you know you've got a bare minimum state of protections that you want to um, protect against, you know, different types of malware or um, fraud or cheat or bot. And, you know, you there's a bare minimum. So we basically, the ASP is the bare minimum price. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it can only go up. So nice. I think we take a very conservative view in our pipeline and hope, you know, not hope. And then as, as, as we get down into the pipeline or uh, the sales cycle, then the price you would think it would naturally go up because they see the value in Certainly. having more protections or they're going to maybe only start out with one app, but then they're going to add a second app when they see that this app, once you see that the app is working and that, you know, how easy it is, you've got other apps that you need to protect. So sure. it's natural that the, it's yeah. the land and expand is going to be pretty quick. Yeah. I was just going to say, so it's uh it's, it's by app, not by device. Makes a lot of sense. Correct. Um, so I know we'll come up on time, Nita, and, and I just want to ask you about your views on on the future. And I, I promise we're not going to hold you to <laughs> to that. Uh, even though we may we may schedule a, a, a touch up uh, interview one year from now just to see how how everything panned out. But twelve months from now, if you had a crystal ball and you can see what's going to happen, cybersecurity marketers will be thinking about, excited about concerned about what two, three themes or technologies or developments will be in the headlines uh, uh, in 12 months time, you think? That's a tough question. But personally, since I've only been with Aptom for one year, um, I, I, I mean, every day there's a new, um, there's a new threat. There's several new threats almost daily, right? So 
from a from a career standpoint and a marketer perspective and, and even a business standpoint, cybersecurity is not going away. It's only going to get the market's only going to get larger. If a market gets larger, there's more companies entering into the market. There's more need for marketers, right? So I my advice has been even to both of my kids, I have one engineer and one marketer, is cybersecurity. I mean, it's cybersecurity and AI are the buzzwords, right? But to me, cybersecurity is a lot more, um, I don't know, it feels a little bit more mature and, and secure. AI is very exciting, but it's still very unknown. Um, I, I think that cybersecurity, you can't go wrong in start establishing a career. And so from a tech stack perspective, I think we're looking at, um, you know, how can you find, uh, what vendors can you work with that can help find more intent buyers, more buyers with more intent. And especially because we are market making, mm -hmm. I'm looking, you know, next year, I would hope that this year we've spent the year market making and getting our name out there. Next year, we can go find buyers that are, that are a little bit more educated and that have an intent to, uh, an intent to buy. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, um, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again in one year's time. We'll see how those, uh, those themes will play <laughs> out. But meanwhile, Nita, thank you so much for thank you. the time. This was lots of fun. Um, and what's the best way to connect? What's the best way for people to find you? Uh, you can find me on my LinkedIn, Nita Patel. Uh, I work good. at Aptom. Yep. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.